Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Sometimes it seems just too good to be true, right? Over the next few weekends, we're going to be talking about some of the gifts that God gives to us that on the surface you go, that's just too good to be true, but it's not too good to be true. And we're thankful for his grace and the love that Jesus offers to us. And we're going to be talking about one of the gifts that he gives us uh, today, and it's not too good to be true. It's actually accessible to all of us. But before we get going, I want to say, I want to be able to announce to you today, I'm thrilled to be able to tell you that September 13, that's just a few weekends away, will be Pastor David's first weekend back to preach. So uh, he'll be preaching that weekend. And I'm so excited for you to hear from him. He's got a great message uh, to share uh, uh, that's really, um, you know, about the experience that he's been through and what God's taught him during this season. And you'll want to be here. Some of you are watching today and you haven't been back uh, to the John Young campus here. And that's perfectly okay. We love having you watch. Uh, But maybe that weekend would be a good weekend for you to come back. Uh, The plan right now is for David to preach in all three Sunday morning experiences live. And so we trust that he'll be ready to go and do that. And uh, I want to encourage you to be here. It's going to be a welcome back weekend. We have some special things planned in the service. You don't want to miss it. Now, every week in between now and then is good too. And you can come to any of those. But you just don't want to miss September 13. I want to encourage you to be here. And then I just want to say a word of gratitude. Our church family, you are so gracious and so generous and so so, uh, easy to preach to and serve. And you have been so gracious to our staff uh, during this season of David's absence. And I just want to say to you guys how grateful we are on behalf of all of your staff and all who are serving here in this really uncertain time for your graciousness towards us. It's been just a blessing to us. And you're just such a kind and gracious people. And I just want to say thank you to all of you. Now I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. We were talking about the name of Jesus and the power in that name and what he offers us. And today we're going to talk about one of the gifts that Jesus offers us is the gift of rest. The writers of Hebrew is talking about this rest and in some ways it seems too good to be true. Like could it really, could he really be giving us rest? Is that possible? Uh, Especially in our culture and especially in this season. Could Jesus be offering us rest? The answer is yes, he offers that to us. I'm going to read uh, verses 9 through 11, Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. It'll be on the screen you can follow or the device or whatever you're following. Let me encourage you to follow along. Hebrews 4, verse uh, 9 says this. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Jesus offers us rest. In this culture and this time, it's really hard to contemplate. Is it possible that we can actually find rest and this rest that Jesus has for us? What does it feel like? How do we experience it? Webster's defines rest as to cease work or movement in order to relax, 
refresh oneself or recover strength. I don't know about you, but that seems pretty far off. I'm like, man, I would love to find rest like that. And it's not just during the COVID season, just generally in, at large, our culture, our society, we, we don't reward rest. We kind of look down on rest and say, you know, don't be lazy. And, and we really, the whole deal is always having our foot on the gas pedal, going as fast as we always can. And with everything we do, it's just go, 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 go. No stop, no end, never satisfied. And we get tired. Jesus says, I'm offering you rest. You know, over time, some of the things that we thought would bring us efficiencies and give us more time, over the years, it's actually, I don't know that it's worked that way. When I was in college, back in the early 80s, if I wanted to communicate to my parents, I would, I would write a letter. I'd put a letter, hey, mom, thanks for the care package. I'm healthy and everything is going well at school. If it were now, I'd say, I'm wearing my mask and washing my hands regularly. Uh, can you send me some money, money in your next letter? <laughs> That's what you'd send. And guess what? You'd put it in the mail and it'd take a few days to get to mom and then Mom would open it and she'd write a letter back and it'd take a few days to get back to me and that's the way we communicated and, and some years passed and the next layer of college students or the next group of college students, they didn't use snail mail. They didn't write it on a piece of paper. They did what? They wrote it on an email and they put that same thing in an email and mom got it right away and by the end of the day, mom emailed right back and it was in the same day they were communicating. But that wasn't good enough. And then about the time my kids were in middle school and high school, they started this thing called texting. And when that first started, I remember telling my kids, are you kidding? That'll never catch on. People will never do that. Was I ever wrong? And so then it became texting and immediately people like, you got a text and hey, I texted him 10 minutes ago. How come he hasn't replied? And when am I gonna get an answer back? And it's just immediate, immediate. And we're, we've shrunk our sentences and we've shrunk our words and we take vowels out and use just consonants because we don't have the time to write the whole word. We, we can't write thanks, we gotta put THX. I mean, really? Are we in that much of a hurry? And then that's not enough. Now we've gone from texting to, we can't even write a word. It's all pictures, everything's emojis. This says the same thing. Hey, thanks for the care package. I'm doing good at school. I'm wearing my mask. I'm washing my hands. Send me some money. I love you. <laughs> it's, it's just pictures. And in the midst of all of that, when all of this could have brought us time and rest, it's done none of that. There is no rest for us. Jesus says, I have rest for you. And does it seem too good to be true, but God offers us rest. He does offer that to us. And we can experience this rest that we need and desire if we know the keys to rest. And in this passage, I'm gonna look at a few of the keys to finding the rest that we desire. Key number one, we can find rest if we know the sequence of rest. What's the sequence of rest? In verse nine there, it says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That term Sabbath rest, this is the only time it's used in the Bible, in the New Testament, it's never used. The author kind of coined the phrase. He, he pulled two um, terms that are common together and he made something out of it. So what does Sabbath rest mean? It's almost like he's saying rest, rest. 
And because Sabbath means a day of rest. So it's a, it's a day of rest, rest. What does that mean? Well, what I believe he's trying to do is he's trying to draw on the pattern of rest that God had in creation. He's, he's, he's patterning it after God's rest, after the Sabbath rest. There's a, there's a rhythm that happens in creation that the author is referring to. He's saying to rest, to find the rest that you have, that you have available to you in God, you have to look back to the Sabbath rest, to the rhythm that's found in creation. So what would he be alluding to? Well, we go back to the creation story and we know that God worked for six days creating earth and everything that we enjoy. And then on the seventh day, he rested. So there's this pattern of work and rest. But don't miss this. That's not the experience for mankind because he created people on which day? He created people on day six. If you look at Genesis two, it was day six that he created people, man and woman. And so God's seventh day was man's first day. God created man and then said, rest. The sequence of rest is that rest precedes work, not follows work. Our culture is work and work and work and work and do and do and do and do and keep and keep and keep and keep. And then when you can't keep up any longer, then rest. But God's way is, no, 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 no. You rest first. And you rest in preparation for the work that I have for you and for the, the tasks that are at hand. It comes with rest first. Rest precedes work, not follows work. And in fact, even in the Hebrew culture, the, the way God established the days in the Hebrew culture, if you have any Jewish friends, you notice like when they celebrate the Sabbath, for them that's on a Saturday, this is a Sabbath, but it doesn't begin on Saturday morning. It doesn't begin at sunrise on Saturday morning. When does the Sabbath begin? It begins at sundown on Friday night. Their day begins with rest every day. Every day they have, they rest and then they work. They rest and then they work. It's the sequence, it's the pattern that God established in creation. And we can experience rest if we, we lean into that model. The sequence is rest first and then work. Not work till exhaustion and then rest. There's also a sequence into our being, into how we find rest. And too often, especially in our culture, the default way is we go, well, if you wanna be healthy, you gotta rest physically first. And then you gotta kinda take care of the emotional side. And then when you get all that kind of fixed out, then, then let's work on the spiritual side but it's not that way. What the author here is saying is the Sabbath rest, it begins with the spiritual dynamic. It begins first with God. It begins with the Sabbath. It begins with God first. Fix the spiritual part. And then you'll have the resources that you need to address the emotional part. And then and only then can you actually sleep and rest physically in this season of Hey, you can clap that. I, I we all desire sleep. So, by the way, they're in this season. I don't know if you've read these things or not, but there's stuff all over um, social and, and the web about people really struggling to find sleep during COVID, during this season. Now, I don't know if it's too much television or what it is, but the people having bad dreams and say they can't sleep all night and just in a time that you would think everybody would have easiest time ever sleeping. It's elusive. 
They can't sleep. It's because you don't lead with that. Sleep follows healthy spiritually and healthy emotionally. And then and only then can we actually find the rest physically. So we have to find the sequence. A Sabbath rest. It begins with rest and then work. Second key is found in verse 10. We can find rest by using some practices for rest. It says in the passage, um, verse 10, for whoever has entered into God's rest, so he's saying you've gotten into God's rest, has also rested from his works. So not only do we rest when we enter into a relationship with God, we, we, and we're gonna talk about that in just a second, we enter into this resting relationship with God, but when we do, we rest from our work as well. So what kind of work is he talking about? Um, he doesn't tell us, but I think it's any work. Sometimes it's our, the work of good deeds and expressing what it means to love and follow Jesus Christ. Those are works that we do, but you can rest from that. I think more practically, he's saying, hey, God rested from his work of creation, and so we rest from our work. And in addition to the spiritual rest that we find in our relationship with God, it is appropriate for us to rest, to find rest. It's a gift that God gives us. And it's not too good to be true. It is true. He gives us this gift of rest. And how do we experience it? Well, you know, there's not a, a prescription in scripture that says, okay, these are the ways you're to rest, but there are descriptions. It's descriptive, not prescriptive. We see this actually in the life of Jesus. He patterned something for us that when you kind of look at, wow, there's a kind of a pattern to the way Jesus did this. I just looked through the Gospel of Mark and I didn't even list them all. But just in the Gospel of Mark, and he has more than the other Gospel writers, see if you can pick up the pattern. Mark 1.35, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. Mark 1.45, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Mark 2.13, Jesus went outside beside the lake. Mark 3.7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. Mark 3.13, Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray. Mark 4.1, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Mark 1, 6, excuse me, Mark 6, 31, 32, come with, he's talking to the disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Mark 6, 46, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there all alone. And Mark 8, 27, Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. Mark 9, 2, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and, and he led them to a high mountain where they were all alone. Do you get the pattern? Jesus going out to a solitary place and Jesus being alone. And by the way, if you look at that word alone and solitary, in the Greek, it means he left his cell phone behind. Okay? It means he was alone. It means he was quiet. He was in solitude. It means he found time to refresh himself on the inside. And that is an important discipline, a spiritual discipline for all of us to participate in today. Recently reading a book by John Eldridge on this topic or talking about this is one of the topics in the book and he talks about uh, the practice of a one minute pause. He actually has an app called the pause app. You can set timers during the day to remind you when to take a 60 second pause, a one minute pause. I've been doing it for a couple of weeks. I downloaded the app and set a couple up. 
And it's amazing the refreshment that can come when you just say in the midst of everything and all the challenges and questions and preparation and decisions and phone calls and emails and emojis and everything else to take a break and take a breath and pause for 60 seconds and find my focus again and recenter myself and realign myself with what it is that I'm trying to accomplish and, and what I'm supposed to do. John also talks about the, something he calls benevolent detachment. The concept is the idea we all wrestle with is there are challenges and problems in our lives that, that we can't solve. The biggest challenges for us are, are issues that we don't have the power to solve, right? These are the things that are most challenging and oftentimes prevent our souls from being restful is the, the challenges of life. And John, John uses this term benevolent detachment for the opportunity to cut away, to, to, to just take these things that you can't control and to give them to somebody else because they're beyond our ability to deal with. And so John has a phrase he uses that says, I give everyone and everything to you, God. I give everyone and everything to you. And if the problem is big and the, it's current, you can actually name it. I give this to you, God. I give everyone and everything to you. Life's biggest challenges, when we don't know what to do and we can't find rest, taking a one minute pause and practicing benevolent detachment. There's no punishment, it's benevolent. It's a great gift that God gives us to say, God, I can't handle this, but I give it to you. I give everyone and everything to you. And in that, we can find rest. When I was in high school, we had a student pastor here who taught us this thing back then, it was new, called a quiet time. He's taken a few minutes in the morning to read a little bit of a Bible passage and to pray for a few minutes, maybe keep a journal, but to do it alone and quiet, to have quiet time in our days today with the incessant nature of information and how tethered we are to our phones or devices I think it would do us all good to cut the cord just a little bit separate just a little bit and experience a one minute pause a quiet time or moments of isolation without Netflix where we're just alone Letting God refresh our heart. Letting God refresh our soul. Betsy and I enjoy going out to eat. And we really enjoy going out to eat with others. It's not uncommon for us on a weekly basis to maybe meet new church members or somebody coming to the church for a first time. We'll have a get together and go to dinner. We did it more pre-COVID than we do now, but we've still found ways to do it. And, and we love being around people. We're in a small group and we love getting together with that small group and we get to talk about life and do life together. But being around others and being in our small group, none of that, I'm, Betsy's with me and we're together in all of those situations, but none of those take the place of just me and Betsy being together. Just the two of us. The intimacy that we can share when it's just the two of us and the transparency and the vulnerability, there's no way that it happens when there's other people around, right? It's the same way in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
There are good things that happen when we worship and we study the Bible together. And this is an important part of all of our spiritual growth. And being in a small group is a a great experience for us because it helps us in in our daily walk and it helps us grow as believers. But none of that takes the place of personal intimacy with God. Quiet time alone. And I don't, it doesn't have to be overly spiritual. Maybe it's just sitting on your back porch for a few minutes or maybe it's finding a comfortable chair at home. And I know with kids and everything, you just got to partner together, husbands and wives. Say, look, I'm going to give you a few minutes or give you a few minutes and we're going to figure out a way for you to, to have 60 seconds so you can take a breath and hear from God and experience the rest that he has for you. Maybe it's in the car. Pay attention, but there's ways to pay attention and drive but turn all the devices off and listen to what God says. We can experience rest if we practice these practices, if we use the practices. Third key is we can find rest when we meet the giver of rest. Look at what it says in verse 11. It says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. That term strive uh, doesn't seem to, to align with the word rest. Like, what do I got to do? Do I have to strive or do I get to rest? So it seems like a contradiction, like a paradox, like I'm supposed to strive or rest. So what is he trying to get at? What he's saying is that that word strive can mean also be purposeful or intentional about what you do. Be all in about what you do, not not timid and hesitant about it. I believe what he's saying is that the only way you come to God, the only way you find the rest that we need spiritually, the only way we experience the rest that Jesus has for us is if we go all in. We give ourselves completely to him. Baptism is a perfect external picture of what happens to us on the inside. We, we baptize by immersion. When you get baptized, you're going all the way underwater. You're completely immersed. And it's, a, it's an outward picture of what's happening on the inside. And I want to encourage you, if you've not been baptized before, next weekend, as Matthew has said, be a great time for you to do it. It's going to be in the outdoor, outdoor baptistry. It's going to be beautiful. And we can't wait to baptize people. But every one of them is making an outward demonstration of what this means to strive to enter into rest. Give yourself wholly and completely to it. It's only then that we find the rest that God has for us. This gracious gift that he wants to give us is only accessible when we go all in. But when we do, we find the the resources that he has for us, the love, the grace, and the forgiveness that are immeasurable and available to us. God is not dishing out, let me give you a little bit of grace and let me see, you need a little bit more and let me give, no, that's not the way. He is so generous towards us that he wants to give us in abundance. It just requires that we go all in, that we strive, we give it everything we got to give to Jesus, to enter into this rest. Paul, in writing to the Ephesians said, When we go all in, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You know, sitting is not a position of work. It's a position of rest. In fact, maybe I can take my feet up. It's rest. All of my weight, all of my confidence, all of my trust is here. I'm all in. And it's in this position of rest 
where we find the rest for our souls. Ephesians 2.6 says, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And this is the position from which we serve God. We don't serve it from a position of standing. We serve him from a position of sitting. What does sitting afford to us? There's Sometimes we think about our relationship with God and I gotta, I gotta do all the right things and I gotta keep all the right commands and I, I've gotta serve him in a certain way and there's a reaching and a clawing and a keeping and a doing. And when we sit in Christ, we rest. And we have position with him that allows us not to be in that where we feel like we can never catch up and I can never please him and he's never gonna be satisfied with what I do and he's always gonna be frustrated with me and he's always gonna be angry with me. And we say, I am seated with Christ at the right hand of God and I'm resting in that. And then you know what we get to do when we're seated in this place? is when we're best positioned to represent Jesus to someone else. Because the people around us in our networks and neighborhoods and in our families, at work, students, they're looking for rest and it's elusive and they don't know how to find it. And so from this position of rest, we're in a place to be able to say, I wanna offer you the same opportunity to experience rest that I'm experiencing. Starting in September, we're gonna do a, a series that'll last five or six weeks and it's called Stories of Hope. And in that series, we wanna, we wanna equip many of you to use the, the messages that we do on the weekend and then a, a little guide to help foster conversation with others, maybe some who have never found that rest in Jesus. Be able to offer us stories of hope, life-giving, rest-giving conversations. And we'll facilitate, we'll help you, but I wanna encourage you. It's, it's from this position of sitting with Christ that we are best able to represent Jesus to those who have found no rest. And today I wanna tell you, we can rest and we can offer rest because of the work of redemption that's been completed for us. The greatest phrase that Jesus ever uttered that offers rest to us was when he was on the cross and he said, it is finished. He, yeah, you can clap that. He worked so we don't have to. Watchman Nee was a Chinese follower of Christ, born in the early 1900s, died in the early 1970s. And um, he came to faith when he was 20 years old. Many credit Watchman Nee with establishing the local church in China. The last 20 years of his life, he spent in a Chinese prison for his faith. But he wrote extensively. He tells about his coming to Christ. He said it, all he could envision was Jesus on the cross, but that what he saw was the arms of Jesus welcoming him home to say, come home, watchman, come to me. He said, no more climbing, no more reaching, no more keeping and doing, no more pretending, no more hiding. He wrote it this way, when we come to Jesus having wasted time and energy, 
the Father has not a word of rebuke for the waste, nor a word of inquiry regarding our delay. He does not sorrow over all that was wasted. He only rejoices over the opportunity our response affords him for giving us more. God is so wealthy that his chief delight is to give. His treasure stores are so full that it is pain to him when we refuse him an opportunity of lavishing those treasures upon us. It is the Father's joy that he could find in us a recipient for the love and grace and mercy he lavishes upon us. It is a grief to the heart of God when we try to provide things for him. He is so very, very rich. It gives him true joy when we just let him give and give and give again to us. It is a grief to him too when we try to do things for him. So he, cause, excuse me, for he is so very, very able. He longs that we just let him do and do and do again. He wants to be the giver eternally. He wants to be the doer eternally. If we only saw how rich and great God is, we would leave all the giving and all the doing to him and we would rest. I know it seems too good to be true, but it's not. He gives us rest. Jesus' invitation to us is come to me, all ye who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for rest that comes in Jesus, for the calming assurance that that rest provides for us. I know today in this room, there are some for whom rest has been very elusive. The stresses of the day or challenges, financial, emotional, relational challenges, health crises, make it really hard for us to find rest. I pray in these days, God, may your presence take us to where we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. May we find that rest that eludes us. And may we experience it in such a way that we're eager to take it to those around us. Thank you for our people. What a gracious and generous people they are. And we pray your blessing upon them in the days ahead. You're gonna use the people watching today or even in this room to carry this message to people in our community who are hurting and lost. And I pray God use our people like never before to deliver rest to a hurting world. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm gonna invite David Loveless to come. He's gonna tell us more about the Stories of Hope series and ways that you can get involved to help us with that. Thank you, David. All right. Wasn't a marvelous message? Was great. Thank you, Danny. Um, so it's September, October. We're gonna have a series of five weeks where we're going to be sharing these stories of hope. Right now, we know in our culture, in our world, our world is drowning in stories of hopelessness. Wouldn't you agree? Between COVID, people losing jobs, marriages have become more broken than ever before, the injustice in the world, all those things. Where are there stories of hope that you and I can make modern day application for? That's what it's gonna be all about. But here's my challenge to you. 
there are lots of you that aren't currently involved in a life group. No guilties, no condemnation on that. What I wanna invite you to do is to gather three, four or five friends or family members beginning in September. I'm gonna give you a simple template of a few questions you can ask, no matter what people's spiritual background is or if they don't have any or have been disinterested. These questions will create, we believe, life-giving Bible discussions. We've actually shot a video this week that will demonstrate to you real simply inside of 14 minutes how you can do that. So if you're interested in that, I wanna encourage you to text the word groups to 40777, just groups to 40777, and we'll get back at that won't obligate you in any way, but what we want to do is to give you some information and show you how you can get to oriented around that. We're believing that this fall, God's going to do some fresh, unexpected things in our lives as well as through our lives. Now, may this week you lean into the rhythms of grace that Jesus has provided us. Amen. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.